you need to keep in mind that the advice of solve your own itch is not the silver bullet. Like mm. there are a few other principles that I would highly recommend following. Um, yes, first of all, solve your own thing. Another one is do that fast. And um, maybe a third principle is keep your expectations low. Like when you're solving your problem, don't think that you know by solving it and putting your solution out there in the world that it will be like a billion dollar business overnight. Very likely it won't. Um, so having a few of those principles and a few of those understanding, like you will mm -hmm. be able to kind of solve your own problem. And it doesn't mean that, you know, not necessarily crypto jobs is going to be like, you know, my life's work. Maybe it will, I don't know. It's DeAndre here, and this is The Pioneers Show, the show where we talk with innovators, makers, entrepreneurs, basically people who are trailing their own trails and creating their own lives so that we all can learn how to work on our own lives. And after week hiatus, we are back. If this is your first time here, thank you for downloading and listening. And I appreciate you taking the time to hear this episode. This is your home now. Subscribe and enjoy these conversational goodies. And if you're a repeat listener, welcome back. This is episode 15 and I'm your host, André de Alpquerque. You can find me at It's DeAndre on Twitter and on Instagram, as well as the show at Pioneers Show and Instagram as well. You should definitely check it out. We've been really upping the quantity and quality of the content we put up on Instagram. Go there and tell us what you think. In this week's episode with us, we have Raman Chalupao. Raman is the first solopreneur I've had a chance to talk with. The first maker. For those who are not familiar with the term, a maker is someone who develops or, in this case, makes products, frameworks, or commercial strategies in order to tackle a problem. Now, you might wonder how this is different from a startup. Well... Most startups, for as fast as they are, there are usually multiple people. Makers are usually, like Raman said, one or two man bands, which makes this extremely nimble. Raman is the founder of Crypto Jobs List, a job board for blockchain opportunities. Not only tackled an industry that it's been growing tremendously in the past 24 months, but also this came as an opportunity to Raman when he himself was looking for a job in the space and didn't find any good place to apply for these positions. I really, really enjoy talking with Raman or K Sator on Twitter, and I really, really hope you enjoy listening to us as well. Without any further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Raman. Welcome, Raman. Welcome to the Pioneer Show. How are you, man? All right, pretty good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm really no. excited, finally. No, no. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It, it has been a kind of a long time coming already. We've been talking on Twitter for quite a lot, quite a while. So K Sator. Yeah, Saitor, K-S-A-I-T-O-R. Yes, We've been talking quite a while on, on Twitter lately. Uh, first thing, and this is the first thing that I'm asking, you were in Dubai recently, right? Yeah, I've been sp spending about a month in Dubai, uh, chilling out there, exploring the local culture. And now I'm back in, uh, in Bali for another month or two. So for people who don't know who you are, care to make a presentation? Sure, sure. So hey, everyone, I'm Roman. I run a crypto jobs list. Uh, it's like a number one job board for blockchain companies. Um, and kind of by trade, I'm a software engineer, entrepreneur, uh, maker of things. Uh, yeah. I think, I think and to, to take on just that, that last thing, you're a maker. And I think that the maker area, it's lately very romanticized. I believe that a lot of people love the maker movement. Yeah, uh, I think it's been quite a recent thing as well. I agree on that. Um, I think it's mainly powered by the fact that like a lot of, especially people coming from software engineering background, mm -hmm. they uh, feel quite empowered that they can bootstrap a whole project and start making money, start generating some revenue uh, on their own without like having to raise uh, like a financing rounds. Um, and they can do it as a, you know, in a one man show or one woman show or as a of like a you know, two man team um, and kind of the mentality, the, the principles are you're really like, you know, have an idea, you solve your own problem, you launch fast, uh, validate uh, and try to kind of charge money from kind of day one. Um, yeah, but I think it's like relatively recent thing. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a very, very interesting thing for people who don't know necessarily engineering, that might be a very harder, harder goal to reach but i think that the maker movement embodies the independence that people sometimes strive to yeah that's true that's true um and i, I don't think it's uh, only inclusive of engineers because like a lot of non-engineering people uh try to build projects and i think uh today it's easier than ever you can like combine a lot of tools into just zapier integrations 
and you'll have a simple prototype that it can actually start charging my money for like you know you can have a um, zoho forms or like you know uh, vufu forms uh, that support like stripe payments and you can uh, you know integrate it with some zapier and like have a whole flow that basically delivers some simple value proposition of your application so for people who don't know, let's let's take it a step easier. Zapier is an automation sure. <laughs> tool, right? It's an automation between services. Right. And yeah. Z- Zoho Forms and uh, Vufu Forms that you said? Vufu. Vufu. Vufu Forms are, uh, from the name I will assume, form companies that allow you to correct, like a type form, Google form structure where you can exactly. have exactly. payment by the end. Yeah, type form is a good example as well. Even though type form just had a, this major data breach recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I don't um, care about that. <laughs> oh, now you know. Um, tell me something. <laughs> tell me something. How how did you get started with the maker movement? I assume you didn't... So you studied engineering, right? Uh, I studied in school. I studied engineering and business administration. And then for many years, I've been like professionally working as a software engineer. But were you working as a software engineer to be able to... Pr- uh, pay for your own projects on the side or you're working as a, a passion, something you were doing, getting paid for it as a normal job, but as a software engineer? Um, yeah, I think like the way I was always been interested in technology and um, yeah, I eventually got a, got a job in a, several tech companies where I was like developing products and services. Uh, and I think like maybe three, four years ago, I think startup movement started way before that, but um, kind of, I got intrigued by the idea of having my own company, having my own product as service. Uh, and I did that for a little bit of time, but doing the actual, like kind of following the actual maker movement is fairly recent. I'm not sure it's like, there's a probably thin line between startups and maker movement. Uh, the, a lot of principles are very similar a lot of mentality and values are very similar, uh, about, you know, building a product and launching it. But uh, maker movement, maker movement is something very nimble and young still. Um, is there is yeah. there anyone in this movement that you kind of look up look up to? There are two names that I usually follow on Twitter that I found always very interesting in reading their tweets. It's Peter Levels. Yeah, well, Peter Levels is one of the kind of main <laughs> leaders of this play, of this thing. Yeah, um, there. Who else is there? Like, there is a lot of pretty huge community around Veep Chat. VIP that yeah it's like work in progress chat it's a telegram group where a lot of people kind of hold each other accountable and they ship new features and projects every day um you know product hunt and the community on product hunt is is pretty powerful and pretty uh you know inspiring where people launch projects all the time um who else is there in this movement uh there's mr pugs uh there's andre asimov friend of mine as well um, I know quite, that, quite a lot. I know that Ben Tossel, you, uh, former uh, Ben Tossel, former community for uh, Product Hunt and then Angelist, was, is also yeah, doing something yeah. re- quite recently. I know that then there's this guy. I, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a guy. I, I'm pretty sure it's a guy. That AJ, the guy from Card. Right, right. That's also pretty. Like I haven't met him personally, but uh, it's pretty impressive what he's done with Card. It's a very simple CMS uh, and one man team kind of product. And I think he's making revenue of that already. Um, yeah, good that you mentioned uh, Ben Tossel. He recently, actually, like a good example and inspiration for all of the listeners who are not who are not software engineers, who are not coders. He's kind of proving the point that you can build products and startups without uh, knowing how to code. He basically showed, gives those lessons of how to mm-hmm. like create a job board, create a, some simple website, or create some product with custom functionality without coding anything yeah for sure i i i'm 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 someone who was a part of the newco first first oh, nice. there I, I find it really interesting i actually started developing my the website for the pioneers show starting using the webflow app because I, I find it really interesting but then a friend of mine said that i could host on his wordpress server for free so i'm i'm, I'm pointing on to that <laughs> even though i have no idea how to use wordpress to be honest um okay so going back to your to your roots, let's put it this way. So you were a software engineer, and what made you create Crypto Jobs List? Um, funny enough, uh, I've been looking for a job, and uh, that was the reason why I created it in the first place. Um, but there was a bit of a backstory behind mm-hmm. it, uh, is that um, it was like mid last year, around August, and I was, so to say, hangover after a few other um, um, a few other startup projects that I kind of semi-successfully launched. 
and uh, we can talk about them for later if you would like. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, but uh, eventually, I was like, you know, crypto, crypto been booming last year a lot, and I was trying to figure out what can I build with the technology, and I was like just running around for for different ideas. But eventually, I realized, okay, like I'm sort of running out of money. And um, like, I need to find a job, like ideally in a blockchain company. And I started applying to different positions in different exchanges and companies. And I thought, okay, why not? Uh, why not um, build a job board? Like, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people following Peter Levels, and I was like, oh, he runs a, a pretty successful job board as well. Like, why not? Like, you know, there is a precedence that this can be monetized. So I thought that okay, let's let's give it a try. Um, and um, I actually launched it with the expectations of that that's gonna fail and that's gonna be yet another one of those <laughs> projects that uh, that not gonna succeed. And um, because I was having such a low expectations, I kind of decided not to spend too much time on building it. And I just basically coded up in a weekend. Um, it was 28th of September. Mm-hmm. I probably weirdly remember. <laughs> and um, yeah, basically launched it and started populate, populating with a few jobs and showing to a few friends of mine. And um, then eventually another friend of mine um, decided to post it on uh, Product Hunt. And from then on, it sort of like took off and more and more people started posting jobs themselves. Um, shortly after a few companies been asking, okay, how much is it? Uh, and that was a good sign that, uh, people are really willing to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And at that point I started kind of automating payments processes and kind of taking it a bit more seriously. And at the time, I think I've been working on a few like consulting projects, uh, also as like a software engineer mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I decided to like go onto crypto jobs list, uh, mostly full time. That's a short starter story. So just just to, to cut up that in some pieces as well. So you were looking for a job in the crypto space because, and uh, I'm sorry if you're going to repeat this, but you were interested in the crypto space because of all the hype or were you genuinely interested in the technology behind? There's no problem in saying the money, once again, the, just curiosity. Yeah, I'm not that... Uh, crazy motivated by money to be to be frank uh, I was more interested about technology and um, I just wanted to work on any crypto project that's out there and just you know contribute and learn um, and I kind of had this realization because I remember many years ago when I was starting like I, I'm a JavaScript engineer and I mm-hmm. remember back in 2011 or 12 Node.js was just getting released I think it was like one of the early days, early days, early years of Node.js, and I was not really aware what was going on. I was just like, okay, started coding it, and later on, I realized that it's like such a huge community out there. And later on, I was helping organize JavaScript conferences in Asia, but and I was realized, yeah, and I was realizing that um, this is actually like even earlier days for for crypto, especially on the engineering side. Uh, I would say it's. It's it's really phenomenal about the state of this technology. Is that technically it's way it's, it's very very promising, but at the same time it's overhyped business wise. And a lot of engineers they kind of being pushed back by this like smell of too many salesy people and too many like scam scams going on. Mm-hmm. So and they also it's very hard to switch from um, kind of your thinking about web services and kind of consumer apps into or SaaS apps into thinking about a kind of decentralized economy, issuing tokens and building decentralized applications, like and even having a motivation to build something decentralized. It's not very intuitively clear to most uh, developers why they should be doing that. Oh, for sure. I think one of the, the so I've, I've also been where I've also worked in the blockchain space. And I think that for me personally, it was never about the money directly related, because I think that the money is still a long ways out to the real product is just that the technology underlying the old process and the whole products i think it's very enticing and very interesting to know more about it and that's why i also wanted to ask so and to to go back again so you were looking for a job in the crypto area you didn't find anything or didn't you find any centralized place and looked for inspirations on other sites for example peter levels like you said and then you thought okay let's build one is that it uh yes so I think the, the the scratch your own each kind of people. I think those are the one of the main guys that are. It's they are the group of people that I kind of admire the most. It's the ones that have the technical ability or the the. I won't. I would even say the audacity to challenge something that. Because it's like that, you would assume, or no normal person would assume, hmm, 
this is the way that is. It will never change. But you guys are the ones, and in this case, you are the one that said, no, 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 no. Something has to change. So what was the drive behind it? Was it literally scratching your itch as a database for yourself? Or you thought that because there were already examples of job boards working, you decided to go on and build something as a business, even though you already thought it was bound to fail? Right. Um, I think it's both. It's one of them is scratching your own itch, but mm -hmm. then kind of building that product that scratches your own itch, but also opening it up up to the public so that everyone can can use it and benefit from the same solution that you created for yourself. Um, it doesn't, you, you should not uh, be doing that with expectations that kind of, you know, it's going to be overnight success. You're going to be next Mark Zuckerberg. That's all BS. You should not, mm -hmm. you know, have those expectations. Just, you know, um, kind of, and I used to, when, when I was younger, I definitely did those mistakes. I was like, okay, am I this new project going to be, you know, the next big thing? Um, but I think the, solu the solutions and approaches that typically work are those where you're actually solving your own problem. Um, you don't really care about how it's being sold. And that's why I want to strongly encourage those people who are not coders don't, not, not to feel left out. They should feel empowered as well because there are so many tools out there that you can assemble and glue things together uh, and solve their problem. Um, yeah, but kind of it's combining, again, back to your question, it's a combination mm -hmm. of, three, of several things. It's like solving my own problem, uh, opening it up to the public so other people can use it, and kind of gluing a business model on top of it, a very simple business model. And then start making money out of it. So is Crypto Jobs List a one-man band, like you said? Uh, it is pretty much a one-man show. Uh, I got to be honest, though, that there are kind of quite a huge uh, kind of following and uh, a few people who I talk to on day-to-day -day basis who like help me out and give me tips on SEO and some technical um, issues uh, that I sometimes face. Um, I'm trying to hire a few people who will be helping me out with engineering tasks. Um, not because I cannot do them myself, obviously, but it's because I need to do more things as well and I need to be doing some business development mm -hmm. and kind of higher level uh, kind of strategy what to do next um, yeah yeah I, th I think that's a great idea so I think for anyone out there that's looking for a job at all, or wants to post a job in the crypto area I think crypto jobs list is a great tool and a great place to go because I think is if you're looking for one specific area I think crypto jobs list has the right per the right thing for the right people that are looking for that specific job and I think you managed to create Interestingly enough, for the decentralized world, a centralized platform for people to find jobs to work on the decentralized world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's that's sort of funny. On a lot of conferences, people like ask me, oh, is it built with like blockchain, etc.? And I, funny enough, I proudly say that no, there is no, it's not a dApp. It's not uh, built on Ethereum yet. <laughs> um, is that and, the idea eventually? Um, um, certain things might make sense to be uh, decentralized, especially those things around like trust or certain things around escrow, like proving that a certain employer has certain funds to pay employee or the other way around, proving that a certain uh, talent has the skills or um, has certain abilities um, and doing that in a decentralized way might make sense. But during job recommendation, job search, um, I would uh, I would not kind of put that on the blockchain yet just because it doesn't make any any end user benefit. Uh, taking a huge step back from crypto jobs list, we'll get back to here. You said that you had previously semi-successful startups. Care to give right. some information on those? Sure, sure. So I think one of the... Um, one of the companies that I launched around three, four years ago. I lost track of time, sorry. <laughs> no uh, but I think like one of the biggest kind of failures and lessons learned, um, a lot of lessons learned, uh, was uh, an events uh, software company that I launched about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was like a kind of the classical startup journey where I had this grandiose idea, you know, huge ambition, um, raised, raised some money, assembled a team, and uh, we were building um, a software for events managers mm -hmm. uh, to manage their events, to better understand um, their audience. Uh, and it was primarily targeted at nightlife venues. 
Nice. Um, and events, yeah. Um, I was based in Singapore at the time. And um, yeah, and I think we went through a few pivots. Initially, it was just a SaaS product where event organizers and venues could track their audience. Eventually, it uh, pivoted into kind of more of a social app. Um, it had this like backend CMS system where event organizers would track everyone. And it had this like Instagram-like uh, event discovery app. Um, yeah, and that was um, that was quite an interesting journey. Um, yeah. <laughs> and is that is that specific company still up, or did you, did you close it? So recently, I sunsetted it because it was like very very expensive to maintain the infrastructure. We developed way too much software there, uh, and uh, it was a bit hard to um, keep monetizing it. Uh, the market was like smaller than I expected. And um, yeah, and I think like kind of we're, we're trying to do too many things at once. Uh, one of them was to kind of satisfy a lot of event organizers and event industry is very, very cutthroat. All event organizers, they have very different uh, event flow mm-hmm. and they, you know, because they're, it's kind of a special nightlife. It's a creative industry. They all want to be different and creative the way they check people into the venue, the way their venue and their event uh, progresses is very different. Um, and it's very hard to build tools that kind of satisfy all needs. It's very like, you know, different venues are different within one city mm-hmm. and they're even more different in between different countries. Like for example, in US, if you're going to nightclub, you need to go through like a few levels of like, you know, identity checks. They want to ensure that you're above drinking age and things like that. And you know, this the same the same software, uh, the same software solution would not be necessarily that applicable that were successful in, for example, Singapore. It's not necessarily going to be successful in Indonesia or successful in Europe or in US. Um, that was one part of it. And another one, another difficulty was the kind of social aspect. It's really really hard to make a high quality social app. Um, and where you're basically competing with like monsters like Facebook, Instagram. Um, and a few others. Uh, b- before we go on, you said about you talked about the way the way too much development of things. That's right. Care to go a little bit deeper on that? Definitely, definitely. So all all the founders of of that company it used to be called RSVPD, RSVP. Um, and uh, all of us were technical, and my background was I'm an engineer by trade. Um, even though I try to do more of the biz- business type of things, but everyone else in a team were engineers and, you know, especially high profile engineers, they pride themselves uh, because that's what they've been doing all their life. And that's what they've been really good at. And that's what made them earn a pretty high, you know, if you're a good engineer, you earn a lot. Uh, so it's very hard to let go of that ego and your, your ability to like, you know, deliver perfect code. Everything is like linted and tested and you have this like you know magnificent infrastructure that scales but some, most of the time when you're validating a business when you're when you're a startup early stage uh, you know your users do not do not care about you know whether it's a python javascript uh, php whether it's you know coded or not coded at all mm-hmm. coded by monkeys coded by phds no one really cares the early days in the you know customers want the solution to their problem uh, whether it's like a utility problem, the one I get from point A to point B, whether it's like, you know, um, entertainment problem, they're just bored and they want a game. Uh, they just want a solution to that problem. And they don't care how that problem is being delivered as far as it's being delivered, you know, as often as possible and um, kind of as good as possible. So, yeah, we just got like really carried away by uh, building a lot of things, trying to solve too many things that event organizer asks asked us to do, mm-hmm. um, and we tried to implement you know different features, and um, instead of kind of talking more to customers and uh, trying to understand better what they actually need, and trying to kind of be more realistic about whether the product that we're building will have a market success and what are the kind of possible outcomes. So if you were starting today, what would you say to Raman a couple of years ago? Um, I would probably say the same thing that I'm saying today, like solve your own problem. And there is more to the saying than 
it's, it's simpler than it than it's sorry it's harder than it seems it sounds simple but um you just really need to pay attention to the problems that you have on a daily basis and discovering events is not necessarily the hardest problem out there it's not like life and death thing oh if i don't if i miss out on this event i'll be screwed uh, very rarely that's the case um um yeah i would i would say to be more realistic and to solve solve my own problem that is like really a really problem not just like it seems to be a cool thing to do mm, okay yeah no i think that makes total sense another question because i also think that's really interesting is that you you say that solve your own itch and we already talked about it but i think that a solve your own itch can also be very dangerous i believe that you may be one of the few people that has that itch or even if more people have that itch and this is me assuming once again i'm not saying that this is the, the question this is more of a intellectual part is i assume that many people might not find that itch payable or something that might bring you money would you still do it if it was not something that delivered um i would do it um Yeah, I would do it, but you know, you need to keep in mind that the advice of solve your own itch is not the silver bullet. Like mm. there are a few other principles that I would highly recommend following. Um, yes, first of all, solve your own thing. Another one is do that fast, and um, maybe a third principle is keep your expectations low. Like when you're solving your problem, don't think that you know, by solving it and putting your solution out there in a world that it will be like a billion dollar business overnight, very likely it won't. Um, so having a few of those principles and a few of those understanding, like you will mm -hmm. be able to kind of solve your own problem. And it doesn't mean that, you know, not necessarily crypto jobs, this will be like kind of, you know, my life's work. Maybe it will, I don't know. But like I even, even like in a after like several months after it got profitable, I still was thinking about, okay, what are the, what are the kind of the maximum levels that this can grow to? Should it be devoting whole of my time to, or should it be devoting only like part-time and start launching new projects? Um, and those thoughts and those ideas and considerations, I think they're kind of, I would say it's a more mature version of me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, because it's very easy to get carried away, you saw some sign of success and like, okay, this is going to be like, you know, Facebook trajectory. And uh, no, it's, you should be like kind of, you know, sober and objective and realistic and trying to evaluate, okay, maybe even, even if you're having like some five digit MRR, uh, not necessarily it will go MRR to- MRR for uh, people, sorry to interrupt you, but for people who don't know, MRR? MRR, monthly recurring revenue. Okay. Uh, so that's like a metric- Uh, that is usually treasured in startup world, especially in uh, software as a service companies. Um, it's basically recurring revenue that sort of happens on autopilot because the same customers are using your uh, software continuously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and paying you, of course. <laughs> Do you um, have any framework to validate your ideas usually? Do you have a, follow any kind of framework already defined by other people you created your own framework what do you do to, do, to validate your ideas uh, yeah uh, lately i've been actually thinking a lot about that question um just for myself how do i make how do i be more efficient and validating my own ideas and i did not come with any okay. sexy answer to this question yet i think mm -hmm. it over time it becomes sort of intuition um you do that like after you launch and again like the my events company is still not my second company i think i launched maybe three or four projects before that um and like you kind of realize what's a good match for you personally as a founder you understand your strengths your weaknesses and after a while you'll be able to kind of understand whether a certain idea has a market potential whether a certain idea is executable by you can mm -hmm. you do it yourself can you assemble a team around it and how does your strengths and weaknesses fit into that specific idea right uh like you know um peter thiel for example is a founder of um paypal paypal yeah he's not necessarily the best person to uh, to run uh, spacex right uh and you know elon musk might necessarily be the best person to run Facebook, right? Because they have different mindsets. One is more physicist, another one, mm -hmm. like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is more, has a good understanding of human psychology. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, over time, you kind of let's go back to earth to like solo nimble founders. Like you kind of start to understand after a while, what's your strength, whether you're good at like highly technical products uh, that people need uh, or whether you're good at like just, you know, doing some simple product that, but you really kind of hype out uh, the crap out of it and uh, make everyone hyped and, and make everyone buy the product. Um, but yeah, I think the important thing to understand like whether a certain product going to take off or not, a uh, valuable thing to have is to have an audience, right? And audience means a lot of people who follow you either like on Facebook, Twitter, uh, maybe you have a podcast and a hmm. lot of people know you from a podcast. Maybe you have a blog uh, or you some some kind of you know YouTube channel and you mm -hmm. have a lot of following, people who are engaging with you. And that's actually a really valuable asset uh, to have, sometimes even more valuable than um, being a software engineer who, who able, who's able to produce great code. Uh, because if you have a following, you can, you know, Hey guys, uh, I have this idea. What do you guys think? And, um, and maybe you can even like have a landing page where you right away ask for a credit card, right? That's a really good sign that people really want to pay for your idea for your service, right? Before mm -hmm. your even service is even built. Right. So, for example, if, if you, Andre, decide to like build a product and if you do not know how to code, like my, you know, two cents of advice would probably be just, you know, uh, have your idea mentioned on your Twitter or on your podcast uh, or on some other channel like YouTube. Have a very super simple web page that clearly mentions what the value proposition is mm -hmm. and then have a simple uh, credit card like fill in form. It doesn't have to actually capture the the credit card, right? But, but you should just capture get the metrics. Just getting metrics that yeah. some people might be able to pay or might be willing to pay for this. Yeah, if people are entering their credit card, that's already a huge, 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 huge sign that people are willing to pay for it. And yeah, don't don't be afraid to um, to specify the price for what you're building, even even if you think that it's like should be free because a lot of people out there, they think everyone got so spoiled by like Gmail, Facebook and all other apps that are, goes out for free. But people do not realize that uh, the way those companies are making money is that they are huge. They have huge network effects and they're uh, charging millions in advertising um, services to a ton of companies and big brands all around the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And for the, probably like a, another example of kind of product validation mm -hmm. uh, lessons is um, kind of in between my um, kind of failed startup, um, RSUPD and crypto jobs list, I had another kind of idea that, that I spent maybe three months validating it. It was called Red by Humans. And the idea was, uh, do you use Pocket, by the way? Pocket extension? Pocket. Some, sometimes I, I usually just don't close the tab. Right, right. So basically the idea was like, it's a pocket-like extension. You uh, browse your internet, you mm -hmm. see an article, you click on this extension and it takes the article and it kind of sends it to this network of professional uh, voice actors who mm -hmm. narrate your article and turn it into a podcast, right? Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so the idea was super sexy. Like everyone liked it. I think I was doing YC startup school, Y Combinator startup mm -hmm. school um last year as well with this idea and everyone loved it it was like kind of everyone wants to this have this magic that you browse this like super long new york times article you don't have time to read it you just save it into your into your read by humans app and on the way to work or com while commuting you just listen professionally narrated uh article instead of listening like to a computer generated uh, you know, text-to-speech, uh, mm -hmm. robotic voice, right? And um, even though, if you the, if you listen to the the, if you saw the presentation from Google, that's starting to get a little bit more creepy, right? Oh yeah, like it, it's it's really impressive what they're able to do with uh, TTS, text-to-speech uh, synthesis. It's really impressive. Uh, but yeah, so um, the way I was trying to validate this idea, and I, you know, kind of myself. Three years ago, I'd probably like right away dive into building like a mobile app uh, that will help you listen to those to those uh, audio recordings and uh, you know kind of start developing this like marketplace for narrators, etc. And kind of make the mistake of over engineering. But mm -hmm. instead, um, I've just had a very simple landing page 
I started narrating um, articles myself and published them on SoundCloud mm-hmm. uh, so that people can, you know, and I would just like send them to people and ask them for feedback. And um, in the end of the day, I think eventually I added like a um, Stripe uh, payment form. And I think after three months, uh, only one or two people gave their credit card information out of out of 200 really engaged subscribers that I had, which mm-hmm. is like less than 1% conversion rate, which is um, not, not good. very good. <laughs> Half percent conversion rate, it's, it's pretty bad. Even in like huge gaming companies, like, uh, I don't know, Candy Crush, the conversion rate is like maybe like one or 2%. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know, <laughs> that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that some friends of mine from like big gaming companies, they mentioned that like conversion rates are very small, but like those people who pay, they pay a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so like I, I, I felt that this idea right by humans was not really apt for me because like I wanted to bootstrap a product. I didn't want to raise ton of financing. And it was pretty clear that, you know, less than half percent is willing to give their credit card. One person out of 200 willing to give their credit card to pay $9.00. Um, that's not gonna, you know, I would not be able to grow that business, even though the idea is super sexy and kind of seemingly a lot of people wanted that to, uh, to exist, Mm -hmm. uh, but they did not vote with dollars. Exactly. Like if you say that, yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea that someone gives you feedback that this is a good idea. I would want this to, to exist. Uh, this is typically bullshit. Uh, Am I allowed to swear? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. No worries. I've already said fuck, I think three times. I don't worry. All right, <laughs> cool. Uh, but what do you really want to test is whether they are voting with their dollars, right? If they're really willing to pay, like attach a PayPal form, attach a Stripe or some other checkout form, some way that people can vote with their dollars and don't be afraid of doing that. Um, so that's like, a, I think one of the best ways to validate whether what you're doing makes sense. Um, and- I think that's like a bit more realistic way and, of them. and nowadays when you started doing crypto job nowadays already a few months ago but when you started doing crypto jobs list how did you control yourself for not falling in the over engineering trap that's a very good question yeah as, as mentioned i i was really expecting that this project is gonna have the same kind of fate fate uh, as my previous ones mm-hmm. so i just did um, so typically what I do is like, I will set up a, like a fancy pants kind of react project with like some fancy API, et cetera. But, um, this time I just copy pasted from some other project that I was working on previously, some kind of boilerplate code and really jQuery spaghetti code that I, it's probably the most shameful code that I ever written, <laughs> but I wrote it in like two days and, um, um, I made it work. Oh, I think another good example of like being scrappy is like I for example for people to post jobs mm-hmm. I did not even build like a form I just used Google Forms and uh, Google Forms um, people would um, enter the details about the job that they're posting on the job board mm-hmm. on a Google Form and then Google Form will ping Zapier and Zapier will make a post request to my backend right so that kind of uh, saved me maybe a, a day or so of uh, designing and building a HTML form. And uh, software engineers out there who are listening, I'm sure they can sympathize because building building forms is like the worst thing in web dev world because you need to do validation <laughs> and ensure that um, you know they look good and they look good and responsive, etc. So basically, I kind of you know tried to not not code as much as possible and just use existing tools out there like like Google Forms. Um, and like Zapier, like yeah. we, talk, you, we said. So yeah. f- from what I've been seeing a lot from, from makers and solopreneurs, solo founders, is that Zapier and IFTTT, so if this, yeah. then that, are tools that I see everybody loves them. Everybody. Yeah, because they save they a save ton of time. And uh, sometimes it's easier... I would say it's like wiser, even if you're a really experienced engineer, for a lot of things, it's it's better, you're going to be better off uh, not writing additional line of code because additional line of code is additional risk, uh, an additional risk for bugs to creep in and that you need to maintain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no, there is no, 
you should not have any pride in how many lines of code you, you, you've written. It's more about whether the solution works and whether it solves a problem or not. So like even today, I, I try to automate a lot of things with, with Zapier, if this, then that, and buffer, by the way, as well. Like I, day one, I probably kind of after a few months, I, I kind of fall back into my trap and started over-engineering certain things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I got to admit that. Um, <laughs> especially around uh, social media automation. But now I'm actually realizing, hmm, I can probably delete this whole chunk of code and replace that with the with buffer integration or with the Zapier integration that will do like a whole sequence of, of things. And that will just result in more maintainable code, less headache. Uh, there are going to be fewer things to break because people who are running like Buffer, Zapier, if this, then that, they're, you know, those companies are already in, in their millions of revenue. They have huge teams, they have DevOps, they have like testing um, units. And um, they're already making the work for you, basically. Yeah, their software are not going to break, like very rarely, but, you know, 99% of chance. Um, they're not going to break. And your code in your startup is probably going to break, and it's actually should break. If it's not breaking, you're probably not moving fast enough. <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, funny thing, I actually did an interview yesterday where we talked about Buffer, but if you're interested about uh, social media and content automation, there's actually one tool that I can recommend to you. There's this tool that I've been using here on the Pioneers Show that, I mean, I have no financial interest in on this, so you know that it's completely... Uninterested. Uh, besides that, are are you paying for Buffer or is you're just using the free version? I'm not paying for Buffer at the moment, but um, I'm willing to do that in upcoming month or so. I can I can send you a, a link of this startup that I met actually through through Product Hunt upcoming. If I don't if I mm-hmm. recall, called Holly Social or <laughs> okay. Choose Holly. I I don't remember the, the the exact name, but the guys are using like an AWS system, so you pay per usage and unnecessarily fixed m- amount. But basically, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly, I think you can post up to 3,000 things per month until you get to the pay- to the cost of Buffer. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. I can send you the link right. and I can talk with the founder because I've been talking with the founder quite recently. And I think that it's a good alternative if you're into not paying huge sums of money. But while you're going for free, stay with Buffer or even Hootsuite or any other automation tool. Right, right. Yeah, I think like one of the one of the things that kind of happened lately is that I I stopped kind of many years back I was kind of trying to save save every penny um, even when I was like earning kind of substantial uh, money with doing software engineering consulting or doing full time software engineering jobs when you start charging other people for your product and service you kind of start appreciating other products and services that charge money and you Mm -hmm. actually starting to realize the value like okay this service costs like service x cost 15 dollars a month and you're like okay how much productive are you going to be after paying for this oh yeah definitely headache you're going to save and this calculation suddenly start going to start making more sense to you and you'll be more willing uh to part with those with the money um so i kind of I think one of the good things that happened to me is uh, I became more open and kind of more um, more open to paying for services and other apps. Oh, so yeah, I started yeah. building one myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a good thing. I just I just mentioned that one because I've actually pay for it, but I pay a few cents per per month because the amount of of posting that I actually prepare myself is not that big. But it was just a, right. a, a thing. Um, another question. So for people out there. Let's start with first the engineers. People are leaving engineering school, so finishing a CS or a mechanical engineering that have coding experience. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them if they're interested in this maker community, maker idea, this independent life, or let's call it location-independent living? What would be the best tools or recommendations you'd have for technical people? Wow. Um, Okay. Um, probably not the answer that you're expecting <laughs> me to give, but um, I would actually not recommend doing that right away, right out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, unless you really have like, unless you're probably in Silicon Valley and your app is already have like millions of users and you have like a ready trajectory, but everything what happens in Silicon Valley is a bit, it's their own like world that is very different from realities of other 
other countries, including like prominent tech hubs like you know Berlin or Singapore or, or Hong Kong mm-hmm. uh, or London. Um, so I would for those people with engineering education who are who are tempted to do like nomad like digital nomad thing or doing uh, being a maker. Um, do that, but don't dive into that right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would suggest with kind of having uh, different experiences, especially early on in your career, um, work for a larger company. Uh, do try to sort of start up with your friends. Having a having a team, I strongly believe. Like even though I'm mostly like a solo maker right now, mm-hmm. I still I do still have a preference of having a team, and that's what I've been working on few past months is trying to get more people around me uh, to work on, to join me on this journey. I, I try to do that gradually. Um, but uh, it's definitely more valuable and more important uh, to have a co-founder or two co-founders. Um, so, and have experience working in, in different organizations. So uh, I, I think it's, it's better for engineers out there to uh, first experience what's it like to, to work in a like small company, to work mm-hmm. in a large company, um, as well as how to work for themselves and how to validate their own ideas if they really, really want to build a product on their own. Um, and yeah, you just need to be true to yourself and don't kind of dive into something that seems to be hip because today, you know, today is maybe blockchain is hip, makers are hip, a startup is maybe not hip. Uh, or something else, and those are the waves then come and go. But mm-hmm. you need to be—you need to stay true to yourself. Up until, for example, up until 2017, 2016, uh, cryptocurrencies were not not hip at all. But those who were there from day one, uh, those people who were following uh, Bitcoin from 2008 or they joined in 2012, 13, they those are the ones who kind of gained the most out of it. So I think my piece of advice for those who are technical again to just to build craft your uh, you know your skill uh improve your skill uh and um yeah ev- ev- eventually things will fall into place <laughs> oh yeah no i think i think even though you, you're saying that i was probably not expecting that i was hoping you would say that because i think that <laughs> one of the things that a lot of people with or without technical skills anyone who feels like they have the audacity to even say to the market that they don't know how to do or they should know, do something better. I think that she, they should build something but not make that their living right away. They should definitely work on their skills. And if that makes them work for a corporate or a startup or whatever it is, I just think that skills are more important in the beginning of a career. Uh, right now, in the beginning of my career. And I th- know that skills are more important than any, any kind of cash I will have in the bank. Uh, that's definitely That's definitely true. One one last question that I have for you before we go on to the lightning round. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> the, you, you, as a solopreneur, you already said that you had previous startups. Was it always there, the momentum or the wit or the, 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 the will to build products? Was it always there as you were a kid? Were you trying to craft something together? Or when it, when do you remember having it inside of your start building things, things for yourself? Right, right. Um... I don't think that doing startups specifically was like right from the start, but I do remember when I was growing up, I was really wanted to express myself. So I did like some street art, did some graffiti. I was doing uh, some music production when I was in my like 16, 17 years old. And um, I was, yeah, I was into music for quite a long time, actually. Uh, But kind of professionally, I always been building and kind of a natural, it's, it's very easy if you're a developer you will sooner or later end up on like Hacker News, uh, which is run by Y Combinator, which for those who don't know, it's a Silicon Valley-based startup incubator. It's like Harvard or Stanford for startups. It's it's startup incubator um, and accelerator, right? It's, bo- it's, it's yeah, both yeah. things, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, sooner or later, you will kind of end up being in a startup working for one or thinking about one. Um, yeah, so like, I think I... St- kind of the first my first experience with with startups was like still in college when i was doing some internship internships for companies in 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 us and uh i think in college i also did some food delivery startup which i think we did did not amount to much we did not even like ship or release the product we did not (laughs) deliver anything really 
Um, but it was still, I think, those early seeds of kind of building something on your own and maybe striving for some independence and striving for not um, having a boss. Uh, I don't have anything against not having a boss, mm-hmm. a boss, by the way. Like, if you have a good leadership, good leadership is fantastic. Like, if you have a great person to work with, um, that's that's kind of can groom you a lot and teach you a lot. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, back to your question, whether I had it from early days. Yeah, I guess, I mean, <laughs> seems mm-hmm. like it relatively kind of creative expression, um, you need to find your form, whether it's, you know, music, whether it's coding, whether it's like, you know, sales, people express themselves in different mm-hmm. ways. Okay. Uh, one last question, actually, that the, m- midway through the, through the answer, I remember another thing. And this might be very ignorant. And I'm sorry for anyone from this continent that's right. specifically that's going to be listening, but why Singapore or Bali? What Because what? I know that a lot of people, I've never been there, so I might be even saying for lack of knowledge but why is the maker community usually so obsessed i won't say obsessed but so lovable of places like indonesia and singapore and southern asian countries right um that's a very good question um first of all i I would like to make like a small correction i don't think singapore is such a maker friendly place because singapore is very expensive Mm but uh, the reason why people love Asia, Southeast Asia, places like Thailand, Vietnam, um, Indonesia, Bali, uh, is because they're cheap. And they're cheap, they have a good internet, um, and um, it's summer all year round. So if you're, if you're starting out like a high-risk business on your own, uh, keeping your costs low is one of the most important things mm. uh, that you can do. Because that's gonna help you like extend your life cycle of your products that you're starting, and you can iterate longer and further. Like in the valley, you need like you know money right away. Five, yeah, a lot, a lot of that, and forget about even like hiring people there because they're gonna be asking for like a five-digit monthly salary. US uh, in Indonesia, you can get away with um, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's pretty cheap. Probably if you're really like. Um, saving on things you can pretty comfortably live for one thousand dollars um per month which is super cheap you can of course if you like fancy things you can go indefinitely up uh actually funny thing i think this month i'm going to be posting on twitter a lot of like reports of how much exactly i spend every day Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you guys are interested you can follow that i'm gonna be like k-sator once again k-s-a-i-t-o-r yeah I think you should add it to the uh, notes. It will, be, it will be on the show notes. Don't worry. It's always there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll be like just giving examples of how much uh, it costs, like my day-to-day life here, like what I spend on coffee, what I spend on like, I don't know, haircuts, <laughs> motorcycle, rent, et cetera, uh, without filter. That's interesting. So. I, I I have a good thing that I don't no longer pay for haircuts because I shave my head. So it's easier. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> It took me some while to register. <laughs> uh, so let's go jump into the fire round. Right, sure. Let's do so that. fire round. Don't torture or, me. <laughs> no, don't worry. It's just a couple of questions that I'm going to be asking you. Have around one minute to answer. That's cool. Sure. Okay. What's the book or three books that impacted you the most so far? Right. Um, I think one of the recent ones is uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm-hmm. Um, he launched it like early last year. It's a really great book it's about setting your goals and kind of setting up your self for success in life. I uh, really recommend it to everyone. Um, I think, and there, there are a few other books uh, that I remember there was very impressed by them, but I don't remember exactly what took me there. So probably it's a call that I should reread them. It's uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's about uh, like innovative ideas and how certain technologies and services kind of go from zero to one, like basically from that existence to kind of almost like disrupting technology uh, without, without the buzzwords. It's very pragmatic book. Uh, and Hard Thing About Hard Things by, ben, uh, by uh, Horowitz. Horowitz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's basically about um, kind of no filter stories no from bullshit, lives right? of CEOs. Yeah, of, of CEOs and founders. And you can like everyone who's in their first startup or second startup or maybe working for a CEO in a high growth or not high growth company. It's a really good read to understand what's going on in, uh, in the head of the founder of the CEO. 
Because in startups, everyone thinks that it's like a pyramid and the CEO is at the top. The, the CEO has all the freedom and all the kind of power. But I usually see it and kind of the book demonstrates that it's the other way around. Like CEO is in the very bottom and this pyramid is on top of him, pressing on, on his or her shoulders mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of responsibilities and everyone's pulling in different directions. Employees want one thing. Um, stakeholders, investors want another thing, customers might want third thing, and you need to be considerate and kind of align the whole organization, everyone around you to go into the right direction. So it's, uh, I think those books, they're pretty impressive. They will also be, they will also be linked up in the show notes. Yeah. Um, okay. Tell me something you changed your opinion in the last six months. Uh, actually, I was in the middle of the show. I was thinking about something uh, that I changed my opinion off, <laughs> but I forgot. Ah, oh, God, <sighs> what did I change my opinion? Did we mention anything in the, in the show? Um, we mentioned a lot of things already. Oh, we did. Um, about facilitating. I don't think anything's gonna. Maybe maybe I'll tweet it out later if I, if I remember. I will listen again to the show. Okay. But I don't think there was anything crazy significant. Please that tag me when you do that because I want to. I want to see that. Sure, I will. <laughs> um, okay. So, do you live by any life motto? Or is there any quote that you have very present in your life whenever you wake up that you live by? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think I, I do like a lot of quotes, um, and I live try to live by a lot of quotes. I think one of the most important ones is like never compare yourself to others and compare yourself. To who you were yesterday. Uh, to, yeah, to your previous self. I think that's one of the main things that caused a lot of anxiety in my life previously, a lot of anger, a lot of like jealousy, because especially in the startup world, you always hear this buzz and noise around, oh, this company raised this amount of money, this this people did this ICO or this IPO, this acquired by someone, and this makes you feel insecure, like or, or like you know, another news about, oh, this 19-year-old, uh, develop an app and sold for a million. Uh, if you, you know, keep up with all this news, you'll get like anxiety nonstop. Um, make, maybe like, you know, listening to podcasts about successful uh, startups, no matter how successful or unsuccessful they are, will make you anxious. But what's really important is comparing yourself to, to you yesterday rather than comparing to someone else, uh, to someone else. And I think another one, which is, very um, kind of interesting that I sometimes forget, but I try to remind myself about that, um, is um, this quote, I'm not sure who said that, uh, the more uncomfortable conversations you are willing to have, Mm -hmm. the more successful you'll be. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I I was, it's not a very popular one. I'm not sure why people are not saying that enough, but I think it's, it's pretty, pretty true. Like usually the conversations that are uncomfortable are the ones that are more important whether you're like deciding on the equity with your partner or some other, like, you know, uh, someone's getting fired or you want to ask someone to pay you, you especially, yeah, especially for founders, for makers, you, people feel insecure and uncomfortable asking for money, right? They feel uncomfortable for asking money for, from investors or from customers. And if you're going to do this uncomfortable thing, you probably will get ahead in life sooner. So that's a good reminder that I try to kind of remind myself more often. Well, I love that. I love that that idea. Uh, one thing that I also advise you is the when whenever this episode's published, listen to the previous episode because uh, the person that I interviewed, Nicholas, actually says that one of these models is put himself under constant, I won't say constant, but very frequent distress in terms of uncomfortable because that's where he feels like he's growing the most, which I think is very valuable mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I, th- I agree with that. I think the important thing is to keep the balance here. You want to be of in a, course. in kind of an uncomfortable zone, but not in too much stretch zone, because then you're, you will just get exhausted and anxious instead of being like driven by, by, uh, by stress. There is comfortable stress and there is uncomfortable stress. Ah, uh, for sure. So, well, Raman, this was a great interview, great conversation. Thank you very much. If people want to meet you or find you, where can they find you? Once again. Um, yeah, the best way is to find me on Twitter, Exciter, and um, reach out, check out my site, cryptojobslist.com. Um, but most of the time I, I spend on Twitter, I tweet about the company progress, about my goals, some you know, pieces of wisdom and advice for makers, and uh, kind, of, you know, kind of sharing my successes and failures. 
Well, thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, thanks so much, Andre, as well. It was a pleasure was having you really here pleasure. on the Pioneer Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well. <laughs> no worries. Right, thanks, man. Thank you so much for plugging into this episode. I truly hope you loved this conversation as much as I did. Now, this episode was truly filled with resource goodies for everyone. From people in projects you should follow, all the way to applications and products you can already start testing and, like Raman said, gluing together so you can try and test for yourself. This and any other information that you might have missed will probably be linked up in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider subscribing to make sure that this podcast grows and we can get some more people and help everyone be the pioneers of their lives and careers. Also, if there is any feedback that you might have for me, reach out on social media. A big thank you to Raman for his time and to Thibaut Frondlin, aka DJ Rodia. Check it on the show notes for the music of the Pioneers Show. Once again, it was really, really great pleasure having you over there. Have a great time. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.